Welcome to the Buck and Strutton Podcast, the chronicles of two unlegendary public land hunters. Your home for hunting tactics, strategies, and stories. guys welcome back to the podcast we are joined with john rhodes again it's been a while since we talked last john how you doing i'm doing good nick thanks for having me back on how are you guys ah, you, we're hanging in there we're coming off a, a rough turkey season but we're doing all right uh, you and me both <laughs> see dustin's quiet he still gets it in his feels yeah i'm still feeling it <laughs> So uh, let's go ahead, John. We'll we'll break down real quick week one. We'll break it down week by week, kind of how it went for you. All right. Uh, it'll sound very repetitive. <laughs> it didn't go well. We'll just put it that way. Um, you know, man, this year uh, was was my first year in a while to really hit the turkey woods hard, and uh, just with. Um, career and and life obligations usually this time of year is extremely busy for me and uh made some changes and was able to hunt hard this year uh didn't do me any good but was able to hunt hard so um i went out i guess it all started uh i don't necessarily scout for turkeys um I know where turkeys are going to be usually based on habitat and topography and things like that. Um, you know, I hunt timber predominantly, so there's not a whole lot of scouting you can do as far as, you know, putting up glass or uh, doing anything like that. So um, I have several spots uh, that I like to go to, and um, I started going to those Sunday night before season. Um what I was greeted with instead of a bunch of goblin turkeys going to bed, uh, were people everywhere, just everywhere. Um, uh, more people than I'd ever seen in my life. Uh, our farm, very fortunate to be kind of right in the middle of a pretty large chunk of Mark Twain national forest. And so there is lots of public land, uh, to hunt around me with that comes a lot of public land hunters. That's, that's nothing new. But this year was an exponential growth. Uh, there was camps of, you know, 14 trucks and 11 campers and stuff camped on a, you know, a 1500 acre piece of, of forestry and, and stuff like that. I mean, it was it was pretty well covered up. So I went around. Uh, yeah, it was rough. I went around that Sunday to a few of like my more promising, you know, favorite spots and all i ran into were people and people and people and so i kept driving and kept driving and and uh went to a spot actually really close to the house and there was a camper there kind of at a at the entrance to a logging road and, and i just stopped and talked to them they were really nice guys and and asked them you know where they planned on going i didn't want to be in their way or you know anything and they said well we're actually just camped here's the only place we could find they had a pretty big camper it's the only place they could find to pull off and uh, we're actually going over yonder i said all right perfect we'll hunt right here uh they didn't realize that they were in a pretty good spot already um but so i went out opening morning uh you know got up early started walking logging roads um as the world started waking up, you know, you hear those first couple birds, hear some bugs. Uh, I, I'll usually locate um, with a, a really awful hoot alcohol, um, but it works. I usually just need to use it once. Um, and, and sure enough, two birds fire off. And I was like, well, here we go. And there was one, I was right down this middle of this ridge line. There's one on either side of me and, and I just couldn't for the life of me decide which way to go. And, the bird on my left seemed to be a little closer. So here I take off through the woods and he talked a little bit on the roost. And, and uh, so 
I got set up in a pretty decent little spot and called a little bit to him on the roost and he called back. And, and so I shut up, he knew where I was, you know, he knew the deal and that was it. He, he flew down, never made another peep. Uh, I only heard that morning two shots, uh, which is crazy. Um, it usually sounds somewhat like a war zone there around the house uh, that, you know, those first couple hours of daylight uh, during turkey season or rifle season or anything. There's just a lot of hunters. And, boy, I didn't hear anything. Um, I hunted around the rest of the morning, hiked around a bunch, um, <clears throat> found, a, I guess, what I would call an antique shed antler. Um, but that was about the only spoils from the first day. Other than knowing there was a couple birds in this general area. So I thought, well, maybe I'll try there the next day and go off towards that other bird down that other ridge line and see if I can get him to talk. And, and uh, so I walked around the rest of the day and then that evening drove around a little bit more and, and you know, just did the, did the stuff that you do. And, and uh, boy, that was, that was about it as far as encounters that first week. I hunted hard. Um, I put on miles. I, I went to places I'd never gone before. I went to places that I'd always seen birds and just could not make it happen. Could think, not make it happen. I think that's the trend for a lot of Missouri turkey hunters. It seemed like it. I talked to, you know, everybody I talked to who's, a, who's what I would call a turkey hunter, um, didn't have any luck this year you know people who usually kill uh their first bird that monday and their second bird that next monday when it opens back up for them you know every year like clockwork uh may kill one bird this year um and i had people who didn't kill any birds that, that kill two every year you know and and people were hunting um it was just rough i don't know uh i think they bred a little early this year and, and we kind of caught them on the tail end of that which we typically kind of do anyway um our season's a little late i think um but it's just it, it it just wasn't good what about you guys how was your first week well opening day for for both of us it was great we were we were hunting together and i mean dustin we probably what heard 40 50 gobbles yeah i'd say so i mean there was a mix of birds there was about three or four on the piece of private that we had got permission to slip in on. And then hell before it was said and done, we were back hunting on the public side again, because me and Nick kept looking at each other and we're thinking this bird all the way back here on this piece of public will not shut up. I mean, that bird, he gobbled and he gobbled and he gobbled and he gobbled and he gobbled. And I mean, it was just, it was absolutely insane, but, you know, I think with opening day in that first week, right there is kind of a precursor to how the season was really going to be because you could call to a bird and you wouldn't necessarily, the, they wouldn't really respond to you. They would just gobble just to get sound out and just be like, hey, I'm over here just trying to get attention directed towards them. And it wasn't like you weren't vocal you weren't vocalizing to them. They were just, they're kind of in their own mood doing their own thing. They weren't really too interested in playing the game. They're just kind of going about things at their own pace. Yeah. I, I encountered quite a bit of that myself. The, there's a lot of factors that before we started recording, you know, we were kind of discussing and I don't think it's, you know, all of these different factors that come into play for the reason why, number one, our turkey numbers are down. You know, I'm looking at some numbers here in, in 2020. I mean, about 41,000 birds were killed in the state of Missouri. Uh, this year, it's only been reported 34,000. I'm sure if you dig deeper back, you're going to see that previous years, maybe they had higher numbers than this year or or whatnot, but I, I think that all of these factors are playing a huge role into that. And it, the first time I really kind of heard this is actually it was from you, John, talking about fur bears and the impact on our turkeys. 
Yeah. Um, it's, it's something that, uh, I, I feel like has, has become a little bit part of the culture. Um, in the last little bit is, is focusing on predator hunting, um, a little bit, you know, smoke a pack a day and, and, uh, you know, kill the fawn killers and, and all that. And I'm going to tell you what, if I see a coyote on my place, it's a dead coyote, um, you know, there's always a, a gun in the in the tractor in the truck, and, and that's just how it's always been my whole life. And in my area, we have an extremely healthy coyote population. Uh, boy, in, in April, you still hear them sounding off every night when they're breeding. They're they're there's plenty of them, but when you see one, they're not mangy and skinny and and disease riddled little creatures. They're healthy. Their fur looks good. They're it, there's a good balance and that's because i think where i'm at it's all farmers and forestry and all them farmers you know it's a it's a kill on side order for any coyote um and that that helps that population and then of course helps the others i think with turkeys though your bigger influence is the the meso predators the the smaller the medium sized predators your raccoons possums skunks uh, we were talking about armadillos even going there and, and uh, all these animals who may not necessarily go take down a, a big strutter or even a hen, but they're going in there and eating eggs. Um, our poult recruitment is awful. If you look at look at any of the studies done right now um, on, you know, hens are laying eggs. Uh, they're doing that. It's just they're not making it. Uh, the nesting studies show this it's those those nests get raided or even a lot of times these meso predators these these smaller predators will kill poults if they find them on the ground um i've seen a raccoon you know almost drown a hound dog they can sure enough uh go through a a little group of poults so i think that's one of your biggest factors right now and our at least in this area um and our declining turkey population now, you know, kind of just getting into this more for people who might not know, what is the root of why this is such a big issue? Well, you see, and again, my, my experience is fairly limited with, uh, you know, our area, um, but you see that strong correlation in anything, and it, and it makes you wonder. Uh, so you can go back through and look. You know, Missouri has been a fairly solid turkey state forever. Um, you know, when NWTF first started doing rehoming and, and, and all that, a lot of those first turkeys they pulled were from right here in the Ozarks. Um, these birds were able to kind of hang on and now not nearly in the population numbers we have now, but we still had birds at least. Uh, this was also a place where you always had a culture of things like coon hunting with dogs and trapping and things like that and i i don't think that connection is meaningless uh then you follow that timeline and you look at you know the good old days of turkey hunting were when late 90s early 2000s well rewind just a little bit before that you have a big fur boom late 80s early 90s uh, where everybody and their brother is running coon dogs. Um, they're putting out traps uh, from everything from raccoons, possums, coyotes, bobcats, all those other predators. Um, even things like mink and, and beavers, and, and not that mink and beavers are having a huge effect on turkey populations, but you just had people out there trapping because fur made it worthwhile. I've done a fair amount of trapping in my life and I've never made a profit on fur. I do it because I love it. Uh, I think it makes you the best woodsman of any kind of act, outdoor activity. Um, and it's just, it's good for the environment. Uh, anytime, you know, we go through and, and can kind of help fluctuate these populations back to a, a little bit more of a natural balance, it's going to help everything out. But, you see it very directly correlated with turkey populations and, and our uh, small predator um, harvest. You know, there's a lot going on 
with that. And I, I can't, I haven't really looked into this, but I know, I know Dustin has with stuff he's seen on, on social media with MDC and them not releasing certain numbers. So, I, I mean, it, it's all, it, it's, at the end of the day, it's sad that we're kind of sitting here, we're watching possibly, I mean, I, won't, I don't want to say the fall of the turkey population, but it's definitely not headed upward. No, it's not. And and like you said, there's a lot of factors that contribute to that. You know, I have my own opinions on some other things that contribute to that. And there's everybody else has theirs as well. And I would say the truth lies somewhere in the middle of all those. Um, but I think that's probably, I would, I would venture to say that's probably the biggest detriment, at least in my area from what i've seen anecdotal evidence mixed with a little bit of science that makes the most sense to me now i'm not saying habitat isn't extremely important but you know at least where i'm at we've got nothing but turkey habitat and honestly kind of makes them hard to hunt uh because they could be absolutely anywhere um there's no features that well they've got to be here because it's may and this is what they need Well, no, that's everywhere. And so for me, at least, uh, where I'm at, it's definitely not habitat. Um, Now, habitat improvements are definitely not going to hurt anything. Um, You know, if we go through and burn more and and do more things like that, it's going to help. Uh, But I don't think it's habitat. Um, I think it's mostly medium-sized predators. Um, And I'll tell you another thing that that I don't think it's causing a decline. but it's sure not helping anything is the fact that, like I said, we've always been a really strong Turkey state here in Missouri. And so we don't get the attention um, from people like NWTF or a lot of times, even our conservation, they do a lot of things, right. Um, And I don't necessarily think they've dropped the ball on turkeys or anything, but it's one of those things where I think it takes a back burner and people are like, oh, Missouri turkeys, they'll take care of themselves. Like they've always been there. They'll always be there. And to an extent, they're right. But um, it's a little difficult for me to see like all this money, time and resources being poured into, you know, getting turkeys everywhere else. And that's wonderful. But you've got states now that, uh, you know, didn't have any turkeys and now they've got more than we do. And we've been the state fueling the turkeys for all the other states. So I'd, I'd almost like to see them come back and, and uh, you know, help the golden goose a little bit. Yeah, I think that I think that probably should happen. Hopefully it comes back full circle. And, yeah. and I mean, they do. Um, you know, I'm I'm part of NWTF and, and uh, we do a lot here. Uh, it's just. I see a lot elsewhere as well and uh it's a little frustrating i guess selfishly it's frustrating to to be like man you know growing up you couldn't go buy a tank of gas or get feed or or go get something to eat without seeing turkeys somewhere um and now it's kind of like it's not a rare occurrence but it's like oh man i saw some turkeys out in so-and-so's field uh you know i'm i'm gonna take note of that uh whereas used to it was just like oh turkeys turkeys it's kind of like seeing cows just was part of your drive i mean we we can relate to that man we we us just driving around i mean doesn't you i you'd probably say the same thing that we probably didn't see as many turkeys out in fields as we do every other year yeah it leaves me kind of disappointed anymore because i mean hell i've had fields in the past by the time i first was able to drive you know every good day in the spring when i'd think you know what right now there's a big tom out in a field somewhere i'm gonna go drive around for the hell of it just go look at turkeys i can go around to some of my old favorite places anymore to go do that like just right down here along the finley or anywhere along the james river and man i just yeah i don't see turkeys anymore not near like what i used to and it's it's honestly it, it's sad mm-hmm probably we probably sound like we're just bitching about turkeys right now which i mean i think we're all three pretty salty i mean if you want me to get on a rant i can get on one pretty damn quick but (laughs) well i think it's kind of that whole argument that uh i mean i don't know about you two but i know that there's absolutely no 
way that I could have gone through a Missouri turkey season and not killed a bird that was anything to do with being being my fault. Uh, okay. It was it was surely MDC or MWTF <laughs> or out of state hunting. It was somebody else's fault. It just had it, to. Be. I mean, it had it, it had to have been. Yeah, it definitely couldn't have been me. <laughs> definitely that, couldn't have been me. And that's you know, and that's kind of. I, dude, I'm a new turkey hunter. Uh, this is this whole game is new to me, and how to go about it. And and this year, I kind of stepped out of bounds, and I I went out by myself a few different times. And the few times I did go out, I, I got close. I mean, I didn't seal the deal, but I learned more from my failures than than anything. You know, I mean that that's a big takeaway. Hundred um, percent. I've learned way more from going out there and messing stuff up than I ever have. You know, and there's great information on podcasts, YouTube, outdoor channel, you know, chat rooms, whatever. Um, but I mean, I would tell anybody who's new to whether it's turkey hunting, deer hunting, squirrel hunting, mushroom hunting, whatever it is, just go out there and mess up because that's nothing sticks with you. You can hear something, you know, said a hundred different times and a hundred different ways on a podcast. And then it doesn't really hit home until you go out and, you know, a deer wins you and blows and you're like, Oh, that's what they were talking about. Right. Or, you know, you get a little overzealous and overcall a turkey and they take off or, you know, whatever it is, like nothing hits home quite like that. And I can guarantee after you make that kind of firsthand mistake, you're a lot less likely to make it again. Yeah, it definitely resonates a lot of a lot harder <laughs> when it happens in person. You betcha. So, I you know with turkey season, well, I I was going to wait till the end to talk about the old Missouri tree rats. You want you want to pick up at week two? <laughs> yeah yeah actually that's what we need to do that's, that's where we were too. yeah get down rabbit let's, let's go back well oh uh, yeah exactly it's it's part of the business i guess um well uh week two i can't, I can't tell you it's much different than week one nick um <laughs> i went through and again and just <laughs> quiet birds man uh a little action on the roost but nothing you know, nothing after they flew down. Um, I had a few more encounters week two. All in all, is a lot better week of hunting for me. Um, but uh, not as good as I'd like. Uh, I went to a couple different places. Um, got on a bird one morning. Uh, again, he was gobbling on the roost. Uh, slipped off in the woods. Got in a good place set up on him. Very similar to that opening morning type of deal. Uh completely different place, but kind of very similar layout. Um, you know, same hardwood, pine mix, timber, um, same kind of, uh, you know, logging road setup. And anyway, so I did that and, and he was actually talkative when he got on the ground and then he shut up. And, you know, I, I, I looking back, I, I don't think I made any mistakes on this one. I gave him, you know, gave him his time. He just wouldn't work into me. Uh, so I was like, well, you know, pull up on X, look at the topo and say, well, I think this is where he is, you know, just based on like, where would he be? And so I'm like, I'm going to make a big old loop and get around the other side of him uh, a little bit closer and see if maybe if I get in his bubble, he'll commit. And, uh, so I take off, go way back up the ridge and then back down the other side. And, um. I was in some thick, nasty, you know, like rabbit hunting looking stuff. Definitely not turkey hunting looking stuff. Thorns everywhere, just thick. Uh, too thick to, to for birds to nest in. They're sure not going to be strutting out there or anything. And, and I was kind of moving my way down towards there. And, and I was like, well, he's, I, I think from looking at the maps, he's, he's maybe 150, 200 yards kind of up over this ridge uh, if he hasn't moved off. And so... I let out a crow call um, just because I was about to kind of peak this little ridge. And the last thing I wanted to do was just, you know, pop up over it and, and uh, there'd be turkeys right there. So I let out a crow call and this thing opened up and he couldn't have been 40 yards from me. Just shake your bones kind of gobble. 
and just kind of caught me with my pants down. Uh, I, I would have bet a hundred dollar bill that there wasn't any turkeys in that area just because of the, the, the brush. It was awful. And so I just immediately, you know, dropped, um, get my gun up. There's nothing like I can't see past my gun barrel. Uh, there wasn't really any place to set up or do anything. So I just went ahead and dropped and got my mask up and everything. And and I just called just real soft, uh, some, some clucks and purrs and stuff. And boy, he fired off again. And I was like, okay, I'm close to him. That was my plan. Uh, the problem is going to be like, you know, if I get a shot at this point, it's going to be about a three yard shot. Um, and I don't know how that's going to work. So <laughs> anyway, I see kind of a halfway plausible place that a guy might be able to sit and fill a turkey. Um, and so I was like, well, I'll crawl over there. And so I just real slow crawled over trying to not sound like me, trying to sound like something else. I'd scratch leaves, cluck a little bit at him and, and boy, he was, he was gobbling answering me. I thought, here we go. Here's, I'm going to kill my first turkey of the year. And I got set up and called. And this is the first time I've let out like a actual, like a yelp. It's still real soft calling at this point, but, you know, just called to him a little bit. Um, I could see 15 yards, you know, not, not far, but way more than I had been able to. And, and uh, he gobbled a little farther away from me. Um, I was like, well, sounds like he's moving off. I'll call to him a little bit more and see, you know, because he was definitely moving that way. And and he was answering me as he was moving away, uh, which was a little heartbreaking. So couldn't make it happen on that bird. Um, And then late that week, I went to another completely different spot, uh, got in there, got up on the highest ridge in the area. Al hooted a couple times and had two birds just, I mean, fired up on the roost. They were roosted very close to each other. Um, I doubt they're in the same tree, but they were pretty dang close. And um, so I get up, and, and I mean, they're just at this point firing off. And I'm like, all right, I can tell right where you are. Um, th- it was still pretty dark, like uh, borderline of where I was kind of like, oh, that's odd for them to be gobbling this early. But it was, you know, starting to get lighter, and they just they just turned it up the lighter it got. I was like, all right. So I got a good setup, probably, I thought, maybe 80 yards, 100 yards from the roost tree, and a good open timber. Um, there's a bunch of scratchings around me. As the sun came up, I could see there's scratchings all around me. I'm like, oh, I've lucked into something here. And so I called a little bit to them on the roost, and... and Boy, they fired off and, and answered me and, you know, one had fire off and then the other cut him off. And then I cut him off and I had them all excited and then I shut up. And they gobbled all the way till they flew down and flew down the other way, uh, you know, flew down the other direction. And, and I sat there and gave them time to maybe circle back around the way the hill laid. I thought they may kind of circle back around on top of me and, and just never happened. Um, went and tried those birds again the next day and same thing. They were both gobbling like crazy on the roost, except they'd roosted way farther down the ridge and, uh, they both shut up as soon as they hit the ground. I just couldn't make it happen. Um, that was about it for my second week. More disappointment. (laughs) So, uh, how was the third week? Well, I don't know if I even want an actual record of, of that, but uh, we can talk <laughs> about it if we must. I'd like to point out first, though, that in my life, and again, I'm pretty lucky. I'm in a very turkey-rich environment. In my life, I have never not been able to go shoot a turkey in, say, three or four days of trying. Um, and most of the time, I could go set up and just kill a turkey. Like, it for whatever reason this year, man, I absolutely laid the leather to it and could not get it done. I hiked, I, I, I did everything I know to do. Um, I tried, I, I, I tried everything I know and couldn't get it done. And so I was feeling pretty down at this point. I was about to just throw in the towel. And uh, it's like we were talking about earlier. Um, my situation is kind of like, 
we've got a farm and, and I live uh, down in kind of southwest, south central Missouri. And then my wife, we bought a house up here uh, more towards central Missouri uh, for her work. And so I've the last year or so I've been back and forth. And just recently um, I quit my job so I could be up here more with her. And so I've been wanting to hunt up here a little bit because there's uh, boy, there's a, a cornfield cut cornfield from last fall that we drive by to get to our house. And for the last two months, um, every day I've driven by that cornfield and there's anywhere from three to 23 birds out there. Um, handful, you know, handful of big toms, bunch of jakes and, and, you know, several hands, uh, kind of hanging out in this cut cornfield every day, you know? Um, and so I've just been like fired up, you know, like it just, it's, it's been just a constant burner. I'm like, there's birds up here. I know there's deer up here. There's everything else. Uh, but I just didn't hunt up here cause it's not, not what I was used to. Right. I'm used to hunting timber. I'm used to hunting brushier, hillier country. Right. And I was like, I'm just going to go home cause I know I can kill birds. And, but I, I kept wanting to maybe kill one down there and then come up here and explore. There's several conservation areas in this area and some public land. And, uh, it's like, well, maybe I'll explore some of that, you know, that third week or whatever. So anyway, I came back up here and, uh, I was going to do that. The, the first day I, I struck out actually with a, a new buddy of mine up here that she works with and, um, we we went out that morning and had a bird fired up off there. I'd heard more gobbles that morning than I'd heard the whole season combined. Um, he, he was just, just stupid. He was, I don't know, he, he was like a middle school girl. He just wouldn't shut up. He just wanted everybody to know where he was. I, I don't get it. But he was right in this corner of this conservation area where it joined two different farms. And uh, he was roosted just over the border of the CA. I, I, I could just tell. And I told, you know, my buddy, I was like, I don't know. I don't think we can ever get him to fly down over this way. Um, you know, there's some open fields that way. It was kind of a rainy morning. Um, it had been raining on and off. It wasn't raining at that point. We were kind of in this little creek bottom, but you could see how they'd been feeding up that creek bottom and picking bugs and stuff. And so I was like, we can sit and try. I'd say our best bets to call to him a little bit, you know, and try to get him excited. And uh, so we did. And boy, he was firing off. and and for just a split second, I thought he was coming our way, uh, just a split second. I was pretty, pretty guarded, uh, about him coming into the public off private, um, just the way everything was set up. And, uh, but we talked back and forth with him for a while and then, uh, somebody on the private shot him in the face. Um, <laughs> so I'm super happy for them. Uh, I kind of yeah. thought about just going over there and just asking him if I could just, you know, maybe just hold it for a minute and just <laughs> re remember what a turkey looked like uh, in person, you know? I, I don't know. I was just kind of lost. And uh, so we went, because there was another bird we'd heard that morning as well on that on that little piece of public. And so we went back the next day and couldn't get anything there. And there was this other little conservation area I'd been wanting to go hunt, uh, just looking at it on the map and stuff. I'm like, man, that looks good. I'd never driven by it, never been there, never done anything. I was like, all right, uh, I need to go there and had a couple bad weather days and, and, uh, you know, kind of wanted to sleep in a couple days and wound up not going, not hunting for two days, which looking back now, um, you know, it was a mistake and maybe not, it, it may not have made a bit of difference, but, uh, you know, sometimes, I don't know, sometimes you've almost just got to take a day off to, to make you just clear your head a little bit or whatever. Dude, turkey season is, <laughs> it, it hits a lot harder than deer season does. It does. I, and, and for me, I don't know. I'm not super patient. Uh, I, I am with a lot of stuff, but there's some stuff like in my mind I should be good at and killing turkeys is one of those. And so <laughs> the, just the constant frustration, two and a half weeks of just frustration and like sitting there and like looking in the mirror and being like, 
what kind of man are you? You can't you can't kill a turkey <laughs> in Missouri in two and a half weeks and all the miles you've walked, you know. And, and so anyway, I was pretty pretty down. But that uh, the the last Saturday, so you know, our season closed there on on Sunday. It looked nasty weather wise, but Saturday turned out being real pretty up here and uh i was like you know what i'm gonna go i'm gonna check out this new place i'm gonna get up early i'm gonna do it so i get up there real early and and, um get out there and as i'm walking in it's dark you know but i'm walking in and i'm just kind of looking around and i'm like okay i like this and uh i get kind of top of this point and I hoot out a couple times, didn't hear anything. I thought I might have heard like the last note of a gobble way off, but I couldn't tell for sure. And I wasn't, it definitely wasn't, I didn't have enough intel to like act on that at that point. Um, so I keep working down and my, my plan was actually, I was kind of on this, you have like three ridges that run north and south there and two little creeks that, that kind of, you know, bisect them or whatever. And I was on the, the ridge farthest east. And I wanted to be on the middle ridge. And so <clears throat> there was a creek crossing um, just a little bit ways down where that creek, you know, leveled out and you could get across it quite a bit easier. So I was like, well, that's, I want to go there and get on that middle ridge and work down. And so I'm on my way down there and I just stopped for a minute to listen. And I was like, ah, oh, what the hell? I'll give it another out hoot. I did. And uh, turkey gobbled. I was like, all right. And then he gobbled again. I'm like, he's on the ground. And he gobbled again. I'm like, shoot, he's close. And so kind of how it how it wound up was I had the creek to my right. I'm facing down the hill and had the creek to my right and, and a little hill over here to my left that was a, a cornfield. They'd just gone through and, and replanted. And it had a couple little lines of brush running through it. Um but he was just over the hill across one of those lines of brush. At this point, I didn't have any decoys with me or anything. I'm in the wide open. Um, I'm like, uh, this probably isn't going to wind up good, but I just didn't have any other option really. So I set up, I got a good hide. I was, I was in the tree line. Um, I called to him and boy, he was fired up. As soon as I called once, he started closing, uh, you know, closing ground on me. And you know, like turkeys do, he didn't come in like he was supposed to. He didn't get the script I sent him. Um, and it was exactly what I was worried about. As soon as he popped up over that hill, there was 80 yards and nothing but a freshly planted cornfield between me and him. No decoys, no anything. And there wasn't much depth in the woods behind me. You know, it was just kind of that creek. And um, so I was like, well, he's probably not going to come, but who knows? And I'll be dang if he didn't start kind of working down and I was just casting the call back over my shoulder, um, trying to make him think, boy, that hen's just out of sight. Cause he come up strut and blowed up. I mean, just wanting some love. And, um, he kind of worked down and worked down. He just stayed right out of range. Uh, and then he kind of swerved off to the left. And so he was leaving it like at this point, you know, he, and he was still gobbling. He was still doing everything. But he was just leaving. He, he's like, there's no hen there. I don't know what's going on, but she needs to come to me, you know. Uh, and he was going to be out of sight. I may have could have done things a little different, but I uh, I was pretty excited seeing as this was the first male turkey I'd seen all year and, uh, you know, in person. And he crossed this little deal. He's probably 45 yards, and, and uh, which is a shot I feel comfortable with on a turkey. Um, you know, I shoot – uh pretty good six high flyer super full turkey choke uh three and a half inch federal premium shells you know none of the like tss stuff or anything but you know i it's a shot i feel decent about like the pattern's good on that gun at, at 40 50 yards you know i'm confident and he gave me a good chance he's wide open not a stick of brush in between me and him you know head up everything and uh i sure enough just missed him um first time i'd ever done that oh so, no yeah yeah i uh it was kind of one of those things i didn't really think was possible uh until it happened and um you know kind of hindsight 2020 one of those deals that it turned out you know i don't run any optic on that gun or anything and and uh, i just wasn't down on the 
on the stock as well as I should have been and, and shot over him. You know, I wouldn't, didn't have my eye down on that rail like I should have and, and, uh, shot right over him and then just sat down and cried about it. <laughs> I'd, I'd never done that. I, I don't intend to ever do it again, but, uh, I guess, I don't know. I guess it wasn't, uh, wasn't in the cards for me this year. Um, cause like I was telling you earlier, uh, I was up here, um, at the, the house in town and I didn't have any other shells with me. So, you know, cause why in the world would you bring extra shells for turkey hunting? It's like, you can't miss one of the things, you know? And so here I am, it's like a real pretty day. I've had birds gobbling this morning. I'm in a brand new place that looks awesome. Uh, I've seen a bird in the first 10 minutes of daylight. Uh, and I don't have any way to kill one uh so um you know and of course you know on a normal day i might just run to walmart or something and grab some shells or you know run to bass pro or whatever or, you know do something and try to get back out there you know by by mid-morning and, and try it again but uh unfortunately you can't just go buy ammo right now um unless you shoot like some weird caliber made in 1942 um but yeah, so I just went home and wallowed in self pity. I bet that is a uh, a a hard lesson learned. Uh, like I tell you, man, I, I I'm not even sure. I, I might still just force you to edit that out of the podcast because um, <laughs> I, I just don't know. If, yeah, I don't know if I want a public record of me missing a turkey, but uh, <laughs> I sure enough did. Um, I sure enough did, and uh, I'll tell you what, that's that's something that I, I'm not going to say I won't do it again because never say never, but uh, if I do, I, I might just quit forever. I don't know. Are it, you? Uh, it did not feel good. Are, are you going to bring more than one turkey shell to the woods next time? Yeah, yeah, I think I probably will, uh-huh. and probably have maybe a few in the truck. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not laughing yeah. at you. I'm laughing with you. Uh, I would laugh at me if it were you. Um, <laughs> trust me, if it were you, uh, I might start a podcast just to have you on to laugh at you. <laughs> just one episode? <laughs> just just one episode. <laughs> laughing yeah. at Nick. Um, yeah. Well, and I tell you what, like that gun, it, it's just an old Remington 870 Super Mag. You know, it's, you know, it's the, the rib on it's bent for me and slammed in a truck door i've used it as a boat paddle when the boats quit duck hunting it's been dropped in the lake it, i mean it's been through everything it's an absolute meat stick i've i've put more meat in the freezer with that gun than anything i own but i use it for everything it's not like i've never had a nice shotgun or like different shotguns for different things it's just like a shotgun's a shotgun and uh so you know i hunt doves waterfowl turkeys anything and everything that requires shotgun that's what i use and i was using those three and a half inch shells well i had a plug in it uh for like two and three quarter inch shells um you know probably i guess the last time i used it was no i used it duck season i don't know why but i had a, a a pretty long plug in it um for two and three quarter inch shells and so i could not for the life of me get another three and a half inch to load up in that magazine and i'm like why do i need to load two anyway and so you know because i loaded it like before the first week and you can't kill you can't kill two on the same day here in missouri anyway um i've never had to follow up on a turkey i've sure never missed one and so i was like ah, i won't mess with changing the plug and stuff in it you know i'll just go and came back to bite me Again, I'm not laughing at you. <laughs> Wouldn't blame me if you were, Nick. Man, that, I mean, and that's like, like you said, that's your last day to hunt. Yep. That's, that's rough. That is rough. Yeah, I wasn't like super thrilled about it all, but hey, you know, that's why they call it hunting and not shooting, I guess. Yeah. Uh, if you just went and, you know, killed one every day and, 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 uh, came into you every time you called and and hit everyone you came down into your barrel it wouldn't be no fun no it's definitely the chase that's for sure but i was you know 
at least I got to like have a, a real interaction with a bird. Because uh, I, if I would have gone, I can't say if I would have rather missed one than not seen one. Because I probably would have rather not seen one. But I don't know what what mental state I would be in if I would have hunted all season and not at least seen a turkey, you know, right. uh, within range or, or and I mean, just seen a turkey. Even just having the time, like you, you made a big move with with your career, you know, like having the time to be able to go out. That that's enough to hang your hat on. Oh yeah, and and uh, you know, any time spent in the woods is worthwhile. Right. Uh, if nothing else, you know, if it took me to the last day of my season, I found a, a nice new place to hunt out here, uh, close to the wife's house. And, um, I'm definitely going to look into it a little more, uh, do some scouting and stuff there. Cause I think just based on what little of it I saw, uh, I think it's an awesome little CA. Uh, I think it's managed really well. Um, for ground nesting birds, I think it's going to be my first stop next year when I start looking for turkeys. And um, I think I may even try to do some fall turkey hunting out there or uh, possibly uh, possibly try to shoot a deer. That'd be awesome. I mean, it's always cool when you stumble upon those kinds of places, you know. Yeah, little, little uh, diamond in the rough. Yeah, I mean, you never know. Like you said, it could be a little honey hole. Definitely. So, uh, that's, that's three weeks of, of, I don't even think there's a word to pain, or, agony, yeah, disappointment. Yeah. There's a lot of hell. self, there's self loathing. Hell. hell. I hell like the yeah. word. Yeah. I like hell. Hell. <laughs> so now that turkey season's over, you know, kind of, what are you putting your sights on now? Well, uh, obviously, um, squirrel season open Saturday. <laughs> so, um, I will be out, uh, chasing some little bushy tailed tree rats, um, here the next couple of weeks. And, and, um, I love hunting squirrels. Like it's probably if, if there was more meat on one, it, it would probably be the only thing I hunted. I just enjoy the heck out of it, you know, like walking through the woods and, and just listening, looking, doing all that and it's it's so like more casual less pressure like you know i can go out with the wife and you know we can take our dogs out and and just be like walking the dogs with a gun and you know have a lot of luck that way and so that's that's really good for me but um definitely definitely uh squirrel season coming up um i'm gonna try to do a lot of fishing because the wife and i have a trip to the boundary waters up in minnesota planned at the end of june um so we're gonna do a five-day trip up there canoe trip and and uh hopefully fish just the whole time and so i'm i'm trying to kind of get some gear dialed and and do some things for that uh and then you know shooting the bow a lot um getting back in the cycle there starting to think about whitetails and um you know do everything that uh do everything to get ready for that that i can so with with picking the bow back up, man. I mean, I know we've talked about how you, you've always shot a compound bow, but you were gifted a crossbow, and you ended up using it for a while. Yeah. So um, kind of you know the same old story. Everybody will tell you whether it's true or not. You know, it depends on the person. Um, had some shoulder stuff. Uh, I think that's like the most common thing you hear. You know. I think um, you're right. but. I really did. Like I tore my rotator cuff. Um, that was, I guess I probably haven't seen you. That was right after high school. I tore my rotator cuff, uh, and that, that really put a damper on the, and that, and like going to college and working full time and doing all that. It just, it was so hard. I didn't hunt a whole lot. Um, in college, I didn't deer hunt that much. I, I, you know, did some small game, did a lot of, uh, duck hunting and things like that. But, um, just didn't really have the time and then yeah anyway so i don't know four years ago now or something um i got gifted a crossbow and i was like oh this is you know neat and and of course i'd shoot it around and stuff and and, um i was like well i'm gonna hunt with this uh and it wasn't like a super nice crossbow um nothing nothing real crazy but um you know got really comfortable with it and and um shot it there for a couple years and and uh 
yeah, I mean, it was fine. Um, honestly, I'll, I'll tell you that uh, with that level of crossbow, I feel a lot more confident with a compound as far as accuracy, uh, right. even distance uh, and, and everything like that. And I think that has a lot to do with like the arrow versus the bolt. And again, there's, you can go spend $3,000 on a crossbow and, and, you know, shoot golf tees at a hundred yards all day. And that's great. Uh, that I feel like that's like a big argument, like for crossbows, you know, or against them in that case, you know, it's just like people are like, well, you can shoot so much farther. I would say the only advantage, honestly, to, to like a medium level crossbow is the fact that you don't have to draw back. Um, other than that, 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 that lack of having to get drawn on a deer without them seeing you, I think is the only advantage to like a mid-level crossbow. Right. Uh, if you practice and have a decent bow. Now, for a guy who's not going to shoot, I can definitely see the uh, appeal of something that looks, fits, feels like a gun. You know, you're looking through a scope, you're doing all that. But I will say that, again, unless you're, you know, unless you're shooting one of those real high-end suckers, uh, you're going to want to practice with that crossbow too. Um, you know, I think just sending, uh, you know, an arrow or a bolt, something with a broadhead and fletchings and, and, and all that, like there's so much variance and stuff that can happen that you still really need to practice a lot and be, be proficient before you take that in the woods. Uh, a crossbow is definitely easier to get there though. We, Dustin and I were talking about that not too long ago, you know, man, I think that's one of the biggest things that people don't do anymore. It, it's all instant gratification is what it is. You know, they, mm -hmm. they watch these shows, they watch these guys just 10 ringing freaking deer it. You know, nowadays it's 60 yards is nothing. You know, yeah. the, a lot of the media that we see now, it's, oh, you need to take an 80 yard shot. You need to take a hundred yard shot. And people, ah, you know, well, these guys are shooting it like that. I'll be all right at, even 20 yards, 30 yards, 40 yards. Mm -hmm. And um, that's not the case. You have to practice. You have to pick it up and you have to get after it. Well, and, and two to add on to that, I know there's players like whether, uh, you know, for years you can hunt with a crossbow in Missouri during alternative method season or rifle season, or if you had a doctor's note. That's how a lot of states have been historically. Um, you see this trend now in the last five, you know, really even to 10 years, states adding crossbows for regular archery seasons. And of right. course, there's people on way both sides of this. Uh, there's compelling arguments on both. There's a big argument for the recruitment factor of something a little um, less intimidating to get people into hunting. Uh, my argument to get that against that would be like, they don't need to hunt five months out of the year. They can, you know, they can start during, you know, our 10 day rifle season and, and now our new 10 day rifle, uh, doe season and, you know, muzzleloader and, and work up to that. They don't, I, I don't, I get that argument, but for me personally, I'm eh about it. Um, the biggest argument I have against it, uh, and this kind of counteracts one of the big arguments for it, which is, could it possibly be a more ethical kill? And I could see that argument, right? Like you have these bows, they're shooting harder. They're inherently a little more accurate for most users. Um, I mean, shoot, you can throw the thing on a tripod and, and it's like shooting a BB gun. Um, you know, there's, there's nothing to it there. What I don't like though, and what I think the real problem is because of that inherent accuracy and that familiarity with like, you know, a stock and a trigger and a scope, people don't realize that, you know, when you go out with a 30 out six and you shoot that deer anywhere from the front of their shoulder to, you know, their flank, you're going to kill that deer. You know, right. chances are you're going to knock that deer down and it's going to be dead. Uh, now stuff can happen, but it's going to die. If you hit it between those two areas with 30 out six, a white tailed deer is going to die. Um, with a bow, it's not so much. And I think that's where the learning curve really, it, it, it really lacks. Um, where these people can go and they may even be really proficient with that crossbow and they may practice, they may do all that, but they still don't know about hunting with a bow. They don't know the, 
um, you know, ballistics, if you will, of an arrow, like where you need to shoot, where the anatomy, you know, what's the internal anatomy of that deer look like? Uh, you know, you don't want to just blow out that front shoulder. What, you know, what do you do if they're quartering away? Where do you change your point of impact? Because most people who have deer hunted, um, and I try to stay away from generalizations, but it's true. I think most people who've deer hunted, uh, have grown up like, Hey, put it on shoulder, pull the trigger, you know? And if it's anywhere on that deer, you're probably going to have luck with the rifle. Um, so I see that as probably the biggest problem with them. Um, in my opinion, I think, I think though, too, the, the crossbow, man, if I were to find somebody, you know, that, that they want to get into hunting, they, they've never hunted a day in their life. They're really interested, no experience. If I had a crossbow, I said, all right, you know what, you know, I'm going to take you out get the uh get the apprentice tag we'll roll out there and we get them out into the woods and they're able to use that crossbow obviously you know preferably having them shoot it a few times walk them through but that could be a great tool to get somebody out into the woods it it is and it's been used like that you know um uh qd mayor i guess nda now you know does a lot of that field to fork and like like yeah. hunter apprenticeship stuff and they do that they'll go through and have people shoot a crossbow a couple days and then go out and take them hunting and i think like i said that recruitment side of it is one of the biggest arguments but on the inverse take them rifle hunting they're gonna have better luck um it, it's something that you you don't have to worry about wound loss quite as much uh, I think that's where people should start in my own personal opinion. I think shooting something with an arrow, you know, there's a lot more factors in, in play there and they should be more educated going into that. Another, another thing that I would consider is Missouri has, and most states do a lot of states, you actually have to do it to bow hunt. Um, but there, we have like, you know, our regular hunter safety. Uh, but then we have a bow hunters education course that you can take that talks about things like blood trailing about shot placement about you know the trajectory of arrows and things like that and i think i don't know if it should be a requirement to to bow hunt here in the state um but i wouldn't be against it like if if you know if if i check my email in the morning and, and had something from mdc and said a uh, new requirement this year, you know, the commission's decided that uh, to buy an archery tag that you have to have fulfilled this bow hunter's education course. I wouldn't be upset at all um, because I think anything we can do like that, I don't, it's not like a big barrier to entry. It doesn't take very long. It's not super difficult, but I think it's very valid uh, information. I think it would help a lot with, you know, wound loss and, and because, on the other side of that, taking that new hunter out, what's the worst thing you can think of to have a new hunter do? Not miss, not not see anything. It's probably to wound something, right? Yeah, wound something like, and not find it. Exactly. That would be my, like, a heartbreak for me as a mentor uh, is to, like, have somebody out and, and, you know, have them really excited and put in the time, put in the work, you know, whatever it is, and then get them on a deer uh, or turkey or whatever, and have them wound that animal and then have to take that with them. I mean, it's going to happen at some point if you hunt, but I don't think your first time is necessarily the best time. And as far as recruitment goes, if that's the argument, I don't know how many people are going to come back after that. That's a good point. Uh, that That is a good point. Uh, so that, I, that I don't know. I, I think, yeah, I think the crossbow thing, it's, Six of one, half a dozen of the other. Um, I'm fine with them. You know, um, if somebody wants to hunt with a crossbow, that's great. Uh, I think that they it, – it's the same way. I, I'm sure there's some some guys who shoot a crossbow and are, or who are more dedicated to the process than I probably am with a compound. Um, just like there's guys who shoot a compound bow um, that, in my opinion, have no business hunting with one. You know, so uh, I think the same can be said for either one. I, I don't think 
that just because you hunt with a crossbow, uh, you know, you're, you're any less dedicated or, or, you know, that, that hunt means anything less to that person. Um, I think skill wise, uh, like I said, having hunted with one, um, the biggest difference I see is having a drawback, having a drawback on the animal unseen is probably the hardest part about the the compound versus the crossbow that and then just you know the shooting it's 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 a lot more technical of a shot but right the so with your with your compound now are you shooting it every day or is it you know are you what's your training regimen looking like just about um so i got a new bow uh i'm trying to remember when i got it i ordered it um early this year um it took i don't know eight or ten weeks uh anybody around here southwest missouri south central missouri uh i'll give a shout out to doug kyle uh kyle's custom arrows um you know you can find them on facebook page uh or, or anything like that and uh man i went through and i'd actually never had a bow um that i had bought like new that had been fit to me uh, nobody in my family was ever bow hunters. So like that, that wasn't information that was passed down. I bought bows from buddies, you know, and so on and so forth. So I just kind of got by and taught myself. And so I thought, well, this time I'm going to go through, I'm going to like have a guy work with me. Uh, I'm going to shoot some different bows. I'm going to do, you know, X, Y, and Z, and I'm going to have this thing made for me. I'm going to try to set myself up for as much success as possible. So I had done quite a bit of research on bows. I had decided that I wanted, uh, I really, I used to shoot a Hoyt and great bows, you know, obviously um, they're one of the uh, top tier ones, but um, I, I don't know. I wanted to look at a few different. And so obviously I looked into Matthews, Hoyt, um, Prime, I was interested in, and then Elite, which is what I um, decided on uh, after I went and shot one of his. And so, yeah, Doug Kyle, Kyle's Custom Arrows, check them out. If you need arrows built, um, any elite products, and, and he, uh, those are the bows he carries, but he also carries pretty much any other archery um, equipment, um, you know, attachments, releases, any of that kind of stuff, and builds freaking awesome arrows. Uh, so check him out. But so I went over to his shop, and I shot, he had a couple, and um so I shot and I decided on the elite cure, uh, which is just their whole deal is like, you know, the shootability challenge or whatever. And that's what I was really interested in was a bow that was like super smooth draw, really quiet in your hand, just, just a really easy bow to shoot. Um, because I think that relates more to, to being lethal than, um, speed or whatever. And it's comparable on speed to all the other bows and everything else. Um, it's just like a rifle. I'd rather, have one that feels like a butterfly landing on you than one that feels like a mule kicking you. I think you're going to shoot better. I think that's going to translate to, to more meat in your freezer. Um, but so I got that and, and got that set up. But ever since then, uh, to, to bring that back around to your question, sorry, I went off. Um, I've shot just about every day. Uh, you know, at the farm, I can shoot any distance, anywhere. You know, it's, it's right. pretty easy. Up here at our house in town, I got a little range set up in the backyard. I can get 20 pretty easy. Um, and there's a range here in town that I can go uh, shoot any distance. And they've even got some elevated platforms and stuff. It's pretty sweet. Um, slowed down during turkey season a little bit because I was hunting all the time. Um, but uh, here this last week, I've, I've picked it back up. Um, trying to shoot every day, you know, it least like 20 arrows um some days i might shoot 50 some days i may shoot 10 but i'd say i probably average 20 arrows a day five days a week probably um i'm wanting to, to maybe shoot a 3d uh tournament or two this summer which is something i've never done uh but i'm wanting to throw that into the the preparation i think that that kind of brings a whole different aspect to it you know like you're not you're shooting around other people yeah. Well, and I'm like extremely competitive to a fault. Uh, and I know like I'm, I'm also not naive enough to think like I'm going to go to these 3d tournaments and, 
you know, beat these guys who are shooting, you know, like shooting their 3D bow, you right. know, with, you right. know, with different errors, everything's different. And I, I get that. Like, I'm not in it for that. Um, I love archery and I love the process and I love everything about it. I will probably never be into it on that level just because I have so much other stuff going on. Um, but I would love to be able to go through and beat my buddies, you know? <laughs> so especially like brand new bow, haven't, haven't really shot a compound much in the last several years. Like I'm getting into it, man. I struggled at first. Um, just like the muscle memory that my shoulder was sore all the time. My back was sore. I was punching my release super hard, you know, just all the stuff. Um, I just had to get back used to that really fine you know, my stance again, my anchor, all that. And, and I'm really starting to feel solid now, though. I'm shooting decent. Not not where I'd like to be, but I'm definitely on par um, to be ready by September. So. Hell yeah. Hell yeah, man. Dude, I really appreciate you coming on the old podcast today. It's been great catching up with you. Um, whenever you get back from that boundary waters trip we'll have to link back up again and get a full lowdown on that yeah for sure i'm a i'm really looking forward to that me and the wife are both and and uh we're doing about a we're doing like a 50 mile loop over five days and and for for any listeners who aren't familiar with that it's a it's a wilderness area um it's like a million acres thousands of lakes up there and they're all kind of interconnected by these little like portage trails and so you just go up there there's like no motorized travel or anything it's just you know you and your paddles and and your feet and and you go and just kind of bounce lake to lake and so we're doing that and the fishing up there is supposed to be just absolutely insane i'm actually wanting to um start putting a few things on on youtube start videoing a few things and doing that so i think i'm going to try and get some video content from that trip and, and put together a few videos there on, on YouTube of the fishing and, and everything up there. So, um, we can definitely talk about that when I get back, man, that sounds like a blast. That sounds like a freaking blast. Where, uh, where can people find you at, man? Well, um, I'm, I'm on the old Instagram, uh, high road outdoors. Um, if you want to look on that, I'm fairly new to that. I, uh, I enjoy it though. I like kind of, um, keeping up with a bunch of other people and see what they're doing and, and let everybody see what I'm doing for, for those few who care. Uh, but yeah, high underscore road underscore outdoors. Um, and then, like I said, I should have a YouTube, um, channel kind of coming soon. I don't have anything on there now, but it's something that I'm wanting to play with a little bit. So if you, uh, go on the old IG and, and like what you see, want to see more, um, you know, keep an eye out for that. I'm sure that I'll let everybody on Instagram know when I, when I get that uh, YouTube channel up. So hell yeah, I'm, I'm sure it'll be good shit, man. We'll see <laughs> <laughs> guys. Uh, thank you for listening to this episode as always, please go leave us some sort of a review or comment on whatever podcast and platform you're listening to us on. Stay safe out there, folks, and hunt relentlessly.